And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a new installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It is Tuesday, July 12th, right around 10 a.m., just a couple hours away before Raul Aguirre a four-star linebacker out of Georgia makes an announcement. We think he's going to end up picking the Miami Hurricanes, um, which would only boost Mario Cristobal's recruiting class even more, especially a big, important position of need like linebacker. Miami's been trying to get some good ones. So uh, we'll preview that. Uh, we'll discuss uh, recruiting and, and just the entire whirlwind of what it's been like here the last few weeks where Miami's picked up all of these commitments. Um, and we're going to get into talking a little about South Florida Express, which – I've, you guys have known, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I spent some time with them this year, following them out to California and then Las Vegas, uh, which brings me to my new co-host today. That would be Andrew Ferrelli. Uh, Andrew uh, has been with SFE since around 2014, but, uh, you know, he, he originally went to uh, Florida State, always been a Miami fan, a Miami guy through and through, even though uh, he, he, he went to FSU and uh you know, he actually started out on this side of the business, which is, you know, being a journalist and, and trying to, uh, you know, report on it and so forth. Um, Andrew, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much for having me, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. You know, I, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, you've been around this for so long uh, in terms of just the recruiting game. And, and, you're, and, you know, you're not one of these young guys who's just starting out. You have a little bit of experience. You've been around the block quite a bit. And that's why I think you're a great voice to add to, to the wide right uh, podcast here, because, you know, you, you, you know, these kids, you know, their tendencies a little bit, and you can really provide some great perspective on recruiting and the way the game is now, I, I guess let, let's start with this. First of all, I mean, I, I kind of gave you a little brief introduction, but t- tell the, the listeners here of, of wide, right, a little bit more about yourself and, and why it is that, you know, you do the thing with SFE and, and why you love this so much. Uh, So I've kind of just always grown up around the sport, Um, growing up, you know, played football, watched football, loved football. Um, My dad was a high school football referee. So I'd always, you know, from the time I was five, six, seven years old, I would uh, be on the sidelines with him as the ball boy or whatever the case was. And that kind of started me um, getting into like the recruiting rankings and everything like that. I'd look up like the big players that he had in his game that night, that kind of thing. And uh, just from there, it continued to to grow. Um, When I was in high school, I started writing um, for a website called Kane's Warning. Um, it's probably around 2014. Uh, and just through that, that got me involved with SFE. They had uh, a ton of big players at the time, like uh, Devin Bush, Cedric Wright, uh, Deontay Mullins, uh, Sam Bruce, a whole bunch of guys that have, Jordan Scarlett, you know, a whole bunch of guys that have, have come through that program um, were all involved at that time. Uh, so I started spending a lot of time at their, their practices and stuff like that, just uh, on the journalism side, covering them, um, you know, covering the recruitments, just things that were going on uh, and in high school football that time. And uh, just being around practices all the time, pretty much every weekend being out there, 
uh, just started to help out with little things here and there, uh, whatever they needed. And, uh, you know, eventually they just kind of brought me on full time and my role has just kind of, you know, grown since then into handling a lot of the, the off-field stuff, whether it's, uh, you know, social media, travel, um, you know, rosters, just all that kind of uh, auxiliary stuff. Yeah. And, 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 you know, being around you and around Brett Getz and so many of the guys involved with SFE, you know, you guys do this because you love it, right? I mean, it's a passion. It's kind of like you just enjoy the, the competition. And of course, you got great players around you. So you, the team does well. They win championships like you guys did last mm-hmm. uh, last month over there in Las Vegas at the overtime. Um, I'm actually writing a story about the overtime tournament. I'm hoping that the article that I've been trying to write here for a couple months on, on South uh, Florida Express finally comes out. So that'll that'll be things to tease to here in the athletic in the weeks to come. But I want to ask you a little bit more about um, these athletes. Uh, you know, people, I don't think, really understand what these kids kind of go through in the recruiting process. And you're with the South Florida Express. You're around great guys like Brandon Innes and Carnell Tate and, uh, you know, just so many guys, Cormani McLean. I'm, I'm looking at the roster right here, um, you know, from last month. Uh, Lamar Seymour, who just committed to Pittsburgh yesterday, the former Hurricanes commitment. Um, you know, JoJo Trader, the five-star who everybody's going to be on next year, uh, along with Jeremiah Smith, another big-time kid, uh, 2024 kid. Um, what's it like in, from your view of what these kids, when they go through the recruiting process, how much do they agonize over this? How much do they enjoy this? How much of this is, in your estimation, like a really, really tough decision for them? Do they toy with the public sometimes? I mean, it's kind of like you you have a unique behind the scenes view. If you had to describe what it's like being back there, watching these kids go on these trips, compete in these tournaments, talk about colleges. What do you what's your biggest takeaway about what really goes on versus the public perception? I mean, I, th- I think a lot of it depends on the kid. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them enjoy it. Some of them, you know, it's uh, just a lot of attention that they don't want. Um, I think publicly, you know, everyone sees the the visits, they see the big seven on seven tournaments traveling around the country. They see, um, you know, flying out for official visits at all these schools and, you know, the way they get treated there. Um, so I think publicly, you know, you kind of see all the positives about it, um, but you don't get to see all the behind the scenes of how tough of a decision it actually is. Um, how much attention that they're getting, how much, you know, they're constantly having reporters call them, text them. I mean, it's a, it's a pain to try to get in touch with some of these kids sometimes because they all have their phone on do not disturb because their phones are constantly getting blown up by coaches, reporters, you know, whoever it is, um, just trying to get in touch with them, trying to ask them, you know, all these different questions, um, you know, on top of making it, you know, probably the biggest decision up to their life, you know, up to this point in their life. Um, so I think publicly everyone, you know, sees the positives of it. They see, like I said, these, you know, official visit trips where they're, you know, getting all the big meals and having dinner on South Beach at Miami and this and that. Um, but it really is an, an agonizing process for them. I mean, some of these kids, it's from the time they're in eighth, ninth grade, that they're constantly being, you know, asked questions by coaches, reporters, um, you know, having to start thinking of, of all these things that are going to impact their decision. Um and that's why, like, a lot of the times when we're together with them, it's not even something that we really talk about. Like, we talk, you know, football and, and what's going on with 7-on-7. Seven seven. We just talk about life, talk about school. Um, just because by the time they get into that kind of setting, um, you know, it's something that they don't even want to discuss that much at that point. Um, so I think from the outside looking at it, yeah, you're seeing these kids, you know, getting treated, you know, having 10 million fan bases tweet at them about how much they love them, having, um, you know, coaches tell them how much they love them, getting flown out and all this stuff. Um, 
but behind the scenes, it, it is a tough process for them. And, and like I said, it's, you know, a decision that's going to affect the rest of their life. So it, it's definitely uh, more than meets the eye. It's a, it's a really stressful process. Um, and it's definitely not the, uh, you know, the easiest decision that they're, they're going to have to make. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think sometimes what people don't realize too is every, all those messages on Twitter, right? Like the fan bases who get left out or the school that doesn't get picked. I mean, some of these people really mean it's, it's not just Miami people. who are negative. Oh, no. they're, it's, they're, it's fan bases all over the country. Yeah. Some of the stuff that, that gets sent to these kids, especially when they commit to other schools is uh, absolutely insane. People saying stuff about them, their families, all this stuff. Some of these, these fans just are, are crazy so a lot of them i mean you know they just try to block it out as much as they can but uh but yeah it definitely you know takes a toll on them somewhat yeah i think i think again your, your perspective being around them having a behind the scenes look i think is so so unique and and i appreciate you coming on to, to talk to us about all this stuff and hopefully we get you on regularly here but um let's talk a little bit more about this recruiting class because i know you are a miami fan so uh yeah. obviously this <laughs> things have been going well for the canes here mario has really come in and i th- in my opinion I, I mean, I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you. I didn't think that he was going to get these many commitments right away, you know. And obviously, we still have a long way to go until December when these guys have to sign on the dotted line and Miami's got to win and all those other kind of things. And kids could flip. There could be situations here where guys decide to to look elsewhere. But what, what you know, right now, Miami's class is ranked 10th in the 247 Sports Composite. If they add Raul Aguirre today, I think they're going to jump up to 6th. Um, what sort of grabbed you here early on about the Mario era, knowing, you know, you've been around for Mark Richt and Al Golden and, and other <laughs> coaches. What's grabbed you the most here? Um, just to touch on like one of the earlier things you said about how, um, you know, just how well this class is already coming together in 2023. Um, I was kind of in the same boat. I thought 24 was going to be like the main class that, you know, give them kind of a year to build these relationships and stuff like that. Um, and early hammer home 24. Um, I thought 23 would be a good class, but I, I definitely wasn't expecting, um, this kind of success right off the bat, talking about, you know, top 10, potentially even top five, top three within the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think just the biggest difference is, is the effort on the recruiting trail. Um, I mean, these coaches, this entire staff is just nonstop um, from the time they wake up. I mean, Mario's texting recruits at 430 in the morning, waking up to go to the gym or do whatever he's doing um, all the way to the, the time he goes to sleep late at night. Um, even kids that aren't even considering them. I've seen kids that are, you know, committed out of state that were never even really considering Miami had top threes that didn't even include Miami and the Miami staff is still checking in on them every single day. Um, so I think just that effort and that relentlessness that they kind of put into it, um, is really showing. And I think just the way Mario is able to build relationships, um, with the schools and the locations around him is just incredible. I think that's definitely one of his strengths as a recruiter. And I think that's what we're seeing. Um, you know, right now you look at this recruiting class, the top four or five guys in this class right now are all West coast guys. Um, and this is, you know, going on eight months after he's left, um, over there. So I think that just goes to show how strong of a bond and how good he is at building relationships with some of the local schools and local coaches and stuff like that. Um, and I think definitely as he continues to have more time down here and builds that bond with these, the local guys down here again, um, and gets the South Florida guys to fully jump on ship. Like you're seeing with these West coast guys. Uh, I think that's when things are really going to get crazy, especially in that 24 class. Um, you put that relentlessness and that effort that he puts into recruiting along with the relationships that he's going to be able to build down here. Um, and then still have the ability to, to, you know, pluck elite guys from around the country. Uh, I think that's really going to make his recruiting classes down here continue to be special going forward. 
Yeah, I, I, I do. I agree with you. And, and you know, I talked to Mario, I want to say right around the end of May, beginning of June, right before the visit, you know, the OV period began. And, you know, we talked about that, about being on the West Coast, you know, for the last five years. And he was honest. He said, listen, I'm busting my ass right now trying to reestablish these relationships with the guys on the East Coast because I, I really wasn't recruiting this area. Right. I mean, they would come in and, and, and maybe pick a guy or two you know, from, from the state of Florida and bring them out to Oregon. But the reality is he was investing all of his time and energy into California, which is, which is where he built all these relationships with a lot of these kids, you know, Arizona, Utah, which is why he's got guys from the West coast, because he's been recruiting them since they were eighth and ninth graders. Um, and, and so, and, and I know some people say, well, this is all NIL, right? This is all John Ruiz. He's spending a boatload of money, on NIL and these kids are only signing with Miami or, or committing to Miami because they, the NIL deals. I, I was on channel seven uh, on sports extra Sunday night. And we talked about this. I don't know if it ended up making the show or not. Cause we only, we talked for about 10 minutes. And I think they only put three and a half on the air. Uh, but you know, part of my conversation with them was, you know, they want to know how much credit does Ruiz deserve. I think Mario deserves the, the crux of it because what Ruiz does is he puts Miami in the ball game when it comes to NIL, right? Like they, he puts them yeah. on par with Alabama, with Ohio state, with USC, with Texas, with all these schools that have NIL. But in the end, Mario still has to convince these kids. Miami's the best place to go. If, if money is equal. And, and, and that's a credit to him and the fact that he's such a relentless recruiter mm-hmm. and, and hired a great staff that I think that played as big a role as any is why Miami's getting these guys. Oh, definitely. I mean, you look at some of these elite guys that they're getting, whether it's, you know, Francis Malagoa, Jada Wade, Jada Rashada, Riley Williams, you know, all these guys had top threes, top fives with schools like Tennessee, Texas A&M, Alabama, Ohio State, you know, Florida, all these schools that are, you know, willing to to put, you know, similar money up for these types of players. Um, So I think once you get into that, you know, five-star elite, elite guy, um, you know, NIL does only so much, like you said, it gets you in the ballpark, but those other schools that are, you know, having similar deals out there. Um, but it really comes down to the coaching staff, just being able to, to hammer it home and show them, Hey, you know, you can get paid here. You can get paid there. You can get paid wherever. Um, but this is still going to be the best place to, to set you up, um, you know, for these next three to four years and, and continuing it on, you know, hopefully into the NFL. So I think NIL, like you said, kind of, you know, gets you in that conversation with them, but at the end of the day, it's still about the coaching staff. Uh, you know, convincing that player as to why this is the best place for them. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, you know, especially in Miami's case, uh, you know, where they were, they look the NIL thing, it's been going on since last year, like the Eric King, there were other guys getting paid, getting deals, um, you know, before Mario got here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was helping keep some kids here uh, before Ruiz really got into it. You know, Miami, some of their players are getting an NIL deal. So it's not just a Ruiz thing. I, I think ultimately, uh, Mario's relationships are the key to this whole thing. Um, when you look at um, the, the the commitments right now, the the thirteen guys or the twelve guys that they've got, I guess they'll have thirteen after Aguirre <laughs> commits or whatever. But w- when you look at the class right now, who who stands out to you the most? You you've seen some of these guys play in person. Other ones, I think you've watched on film. You know, I know what the recruiting rankings say, uh, what they are: five star, four star. But who's maybe a little underrated? Who's a little overrated in your mind? Um, I think underrated. I'd probably go Jaden Rashada. Um, I really, really like him. He's one of the um, very few quarterbacks that I've seen um, pick apart the SFP secondary that's loaded with with four and five star guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we did not lose many tournaments, and one of the ones that we did um, was to him out in uh, in Los Angeles. 
um, his ball placement, his arm strength, just everything about him is, is really impressive. Um, right now they have him, I think, uh, the composite for two, four, seven has him, has him as like the number seven quarterback in the country. Um, I, I think he's definitely top three or four. I think, um, you know, Nico's, uh, Yamalavea is probably ahead of him. Um, and then I think after that, I think there's probably, you know, three or four quarterbacks between Malachi Nelson, Rashada, um, you know, they can probably put in that next group. Um, so I think he's, he definitely has an argument to be a top three quarterback in this class. Um, so I think having him down at seven is a, is a little bit low. Um, and I mean, his composite nationally is down to 45 because on three has him ranked as like 155th or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Um, or else he would definitely be a five-star in this class as well. Um, so I think he's a little underrated. Um, I think I'm a little biased just because I see Ray Ray um, fairly often with SFE, but I think he's also underrated. Um, he's definitely, yep, Ray Ray, uh, Nathaniel Joseph. Um, he's definitely one of the most explosive kids I've ever seen. Um, he's just a matchup nightmare. Um, and then for as fast as he is, he's he's strong too. Like if you look at him, like he's well built. Um, he's got a good center of gravity. He's not someone that just can you know run by you. Once he gets the ball in his hands, he's tough to bring down. Uh, I think he's by far the the best slot receiver in the country. Yeah, I, I, I like Ray Ray a lot as well. Watching him in, in, in out in LA with you guys, um, I thought you know the middle of the field is where teams win now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. on the outside, you're going to see big corners, big safeties try to take away the outside, but I think Ray Ray in the middle is so dangerous. And and I know you guys had Brashard Smith, who, who's with Miami now mm-hmm. as a, a second year sophomore. Uh, can you compare the two of them? How are they similar? How are they different? Because I think they're very similar in stature, right? Height, weight, et cetera. But wh- where, where are they better, worse, et cetera? Um, yeah, they're, I mean, they're very similar in stature. I think um, Ray Ray's top end speed might be a little bit better. Um, and I think his ability to just start and stop on a dime um, is insane. Burchard is super, is super shifty too in the open field. Um, but I've never seen anyone... Um, just be able to stop and then get back up to top speed like Ray Ray does. I mean, it's, it's seven on seven. It's, it's, you know, one hand touch and people struggle to, to get a touch on him. Um, I think Burchard might be a little more polished in like a route running aspect. Um, but I think Nathaniel definitely has a little bit more speed and, and uh, stop and start ability. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I think they're both going to be really good players at Miami. Uh, I know Brashard had had his explosive moments, including that long touchdown catch against Virginia Tech. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, w- I would think that, you know, Ray Ray is going to come in and make a similar uh, impact, potentially even on special teams, returning kicks, punts, etc. I mean, just such an explosive uh, young man. Um, let's talk a little bit more about receiver because 
this week, Miami, I mean, yes, when we'll get to Jaden Wayne and, and some of these other guys in a minute, <laughs> but um, you know, Miami struck out with, with Jalen Brown, the, the five-star receiver from Miami Gulliver prep. I know he didn't play for you guys. He was with the Miami immortal seven on 17 this year. Um, but knowing Jalen's father a little bit, his dad was a statistician or is a statistician for Miami Heat game. So when I covered the Heat for many years, um, I would hear from his dad, hey, my son's coming up the ranks. He's going to be a good player. You got to watch out for him, et cetera. Um, but Jalen, um, you know, he was a guy that I heard last year was wanting to get away uh, from South Florida for college. And that's that's something that I think, Andrew, you and I have talked about in the past. A lot of the kids here in South Florida, whether Mario here is here or not, they want to go out and see the rest of the country. They want to go out and kind of be wooed by a lot of other universities. And ultimately, Jalen, when he picked uh, LSU this week over Miami uh, or last week, rather, uh, you know, he talked about wanting to get away. Um, what well, I guess in, in your res- thoughts on Jalen Brown and how big of a loss that is for Miami. And, 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 and ultimately, I, I would add this as well as giving a little perspective. And there's a lot of great wide receivers here in South Florida. You, we've already talked about uh, Ray Ray being, uh, you know, one of those commitments. Uh, Robbie Washington, who also plays for the Immortal, uh, you know, a four-star slot guy. Um, but w- when it comes to Jalen, how big of a loss is that in your mind? Uh, I mean, I think Jalen's speed is is something that, you know, obviously any team wants to have. Um, I think he, you know, he's definitely has to add some weight, get a little more physical. It'll come naturally just getting into college. Um, but, but just his speed is, is a big loss. You know, obviously, like I said, any team wants that kind of guy, that sub 10, 600 meter guy, um, that has some good height, you know, can really open up things, uh, take the top off the defense. Uh, so I think, you know, it's a loss in that sense, but, um, I mean, if there was a position where you can afford to lose someone, uh, this year, I think it's South Florida. I mean, sorry, I think it's wide receivers in, uh, in South Florida. Um, there's four five, six guys that are really, really good down here at receiver. Um, so I think if you can, you know, go ahead and get someone like an Andy Jean or William Fowles or, um, you know, obviously Hakeem Williams, I think if you land two or three of those guys, it kind of uh, helps negate that loss. Um, but obviously, you know, you never want to see a, a five-star kid from down here go elsewhere, um, even if they are, you know, kind of set on leaving the state. Um, so I think it is a loss in that sense and just, you know, losing out on that speed because I know that's something that Mario really wants to, um, you know, increase, especially in the wide receiver room is just that overall speed. Um, but I think if you can go out there and, and land, you know, a Hakeem Williams or an Andy Jean and William Fowles, um, that kind of uh, will help to negate that loss. Yeah. And Hakeem is somebody that I think they've turned the, the, the heat up on here the last couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you obviously Hakeem played with you guys. He wasn't out in Vegas, but he played with you throughout the year. Uh, you know, six, four probably is what his height is now. Is he six, five yet? I mean, he, he seems like he's getting bigger every time I see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, big physical guy reminds me a little bit of Andre Johnson when Andre Johnson was at Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Hakeem may have the highest ceiling of anyone in this class. Um, I mean, he's, and not just talking about guys that Miami's recruiting, just any receiver in general. Um, I mean, he's far from a finished product. He's, you know, a basketball player that's still kind of transitioning over to the wide receiver position. Um, but I mean, you're talking about a kid that's 6'4", 205, 210. Um, I think it was the underclassman report tracked him as having like the second highest speed of anyone in the 23 class. Um, he hit over 22 miles an hour at that size. Uh, and just his speed and size is, is just incredible. I think it, it definitely gives him the, you know, one of the highest ceilings, if not the highest ceiling of any receiver in this, in this 2023 class. 
Um, and like you said, Miami's definitely turned the heat up on him lately. Um, not sure if it's just trying to take advantage of this momentum that they've had over the last couple of weeks um, or a part of that with Jalen Brown leaving, um, you know, just kind of pivoting. Uh, but I do think that he is someone that they've definitely turned their attention to. And uh, I think he's listening from everything I've heard. Uh, it seems like they're definitely back in it with him. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I think they're, they're definitely, you know, setting themselves up to, you know, hopefully be in a good position with him going forward. Uh, but I think that just, He's, he's, you know, he's still raw. He, he needs a lot of work still. Like I said, he's still kind of transitioning over to football. Uh, but I think just physically, he, he may have the highest ceiling of anyone in this class. I know um, when he met with Nick Saban, Nick Saban literally told him, hey, you can come here and be my next Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has that kind of potential physically. Um, and, and, and watching Hakeem, you know, and, and all the guys in the Software Express again, I mean, this receiver list is just ridiculous. I mean, Brandon Innes, five-star headed to Ohio State, Parnell Tate, four-star headed to Ohio State. We talked about Ray Ray earlier. He's going to Miami. JoJo Trader and uh, Jeremiah Smith, the two, you know, two five-stars in the in the 24 class. Lamar Seymour, who committed to Pittsburgh at Santana. Fleming was another guy that, that ran with you guys. Um, I mean, so many great receivers, great hands. Um, I, I want to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to pick best overall receiver of all the guys you had in SFE, who would you who would you put number one? Oh, that's uh that's tough. Um, because they're all they're all so different. Yeah. Um overall going forward, I think it might be Jeremiah Smith in the mm-hmm. 24 class. I think he has the ability to be possibly the best wide receiver recruit we've seen in you know the last five, 10 years. He's six three, six four, still growing, um, has speed, has you know, great route running, great hands. I think he may end up being the most complete. Um, receiver recruit that we've seen, you know, not only in South Florida, but just across the country in, in a while um, for the 23 class. That's, that's tough um, because, you know, between Brandon, Carnell, Hakeem, they're, they're all very different. I think Brandon might be the most college ready right now. Mm-hmm. I think that honestly may be the only knock on him is that his, you know, how much better can he get because he's already such a complete receiver. He already, you know, just mentally understands the game so well. Um, and then Carnell as, as well as just, you know, he's another kid that's six, two can run has great hands. Um, and then again, I think Hakeem has the, the highest ceiling of that 23 class. So if you put me on the spot and said, you know, Hey, three, four years from now, who's the best receiver out of all these guys, I think I'm going to have to lean to the young guy and give, uh, give Jeremiah Smith that edge. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I, I know, I know you're not the only one who feels this way. I mean, talking to Brett and some of the other guys in the staff, they, they feel like the ceiling for, for Jeremiah uh, I mean, uh, you know, for, for his future is, is through the roof, but th- so many of them are so good. I mean, I kind of compare Brandon to uh, a Jarvis Landry in my mind, just because his hands are so steady, so consistent in the middle of the field. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have. It was fun watching you guys play uh, this year. Cause there was so much talent out there. Uh, probably one of the, the best offensive units you guys have ever had. Right. I mean, these in the years that you've been involved. Oh yeah, I, I definitely say it's it's definitely one of the strongest offenses we've ever had. I mean, like like you said, you read off the names of the receivers, but there was you know, Carnell, Brandon Ennis, Jeremiah Smith, JoJo Trader. Um, you know, I mean that's that's four or five stars right there, and then you have you know Ray Ray Joseph, who we end up just putting at running back a lot mm-hmm. because um, you know we had so much talent on the outside. You put him at running back, and you match him up in a linebacker. It's it's not even fair watching a linebacker try to stay with him at that point. Um, and then you have, um, you know, guys like Lamar Seymour, who's may have the 
strongest hands of anyone I've seen in this yes. class. Um, he does not drop anything. I think he's, he's going to be, you know, a really good receiver at Pitt. Um, so just the talent offensively in, in this class was, you know, for us, if he was absolutely insane. All right. Um, let's transition a little bit here to, to a story that I think everybody was talking about this week. Um, and, and that was Jaden Wayne's commitment to Miami on Saturday. And, you know, at the time, uh, I put it in my headline because it was true. It was a fact. He was the second five star to pick Miami mm-hmm. right after Francis Maligoa. An hour later, um, he drops from a five star in the 247 sports composite to a four star. And and, it, and this is something that if you're interested in getting the explanation from, from the guys at 247, I know Gabby Urrutia and David Lake, two guys that I respect quite a bit in this business. They, they definitely work hard covering uh, the Canes for two, 247. They did an entire podcast talking about it and sort of explaining their side of the story. But I will tell you, Andrew, and, and you and I have, have followed this for a long time, as we've, we've already established, the perception of Miami recruits dropping in the recruiting rankings after committing to Miami. I mean, that's something that everybody has always talked about for a long time. Um, what is your take on this? And what, what, you know, behind the scenes, what are players sort of saying about that? Um, I mean, just on the Jaden Wayne situation, obviously it's, it's unfortunate, um, you know, like two, four, seven explained it, I guess, um, between him transferring, it kind of, you know, changes things with the profiles and then them adding on three recently. Um, it seems like it was just kind of a, a perfect storm to cause some sort of tech issue there, um, with, uh, I guess them not factoring the on three rankings in, and then, um, you know, it's unfortunate that they happened to notice it on his commitment day and probably not the best timing for them to, to go ahead and, uh, and get that input and changed. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, Gabby and, and David, like do, do great work with two, four, seven. Um, if you listen to their podcast about it, it seems like they were, you know, just as blindsided by it as anyone. And, you know, if not as upset, probably more upset than any of the fans, because, um, you know, everything that they did was all about him being a five-star too. Um, you know, you look at the graphic that two, four, seven tweeted out, uh, it has him as a five-star on there as well. Um, so, I mean, that, that situation is just, you know, unfortunate, um, you know, for Jaden, obviously kind of overshadowed his, you know, commitment as well. Um, so definitely not the best timing by, uh, you know, whoever was behind the scenes there <laughs> and, and noticed that that was in fact, then, um, you know, all around, it's just not the, the best situation. And then it is kind of the, the perfect storm with, you know, Miami fans always kind of feeling like, you know, they get a little bit slighted in the rankings when a, when a kid commits to them. Um, I know Miami, you know, the Miami fan base isn't the only fan base that thinks that way. It seems, you know, there's a lot of them that, that feel that way. Um, but for it to happen, you know, an hour after he commits, it's, it's definitely the perfect storm and kind of makes all those conspiracy theories definitely, uh, you know, feel a little bit more true. Um, you know, obviously given the explanation they gave, it wasn't something necessarily that, uh, that they changed. They still have him as, you know, I think a top 30 or 35 player in the country. Um, they just, whatever their system is that puts Taylor, the composite hadn't factored in on three, having him all the way down at uh, 93rd or 96th, whatever it was. Right. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it is uh, an unfortunate situation, like I said, but uh, you know, it seems at least like it, you know, from their explanation, it was just a tech issue. It wasn't anything malicious. Um, they seem to be, you know, just upset as, you know, by the timing and everything like that, that it happened as, as anyone. Well, you, you mentioned conspiracy theories and I, and I, and I have a lot of data here. I did my homework, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did, I ha- I'm going to say some stuff here in a few minutes. But I want to get before we jump into some numbers here that I have as far as guys dropping in the rankings after they commit to Miami, because I, I did look at last year's class 
mm-hmm. and all of the all the four stars and all the the guys that my the blue chips that Miami signed to see what happened. Right? Did they slip in the rankings? I did my homework because two four seven does have a, a, a tracking system. But my question to you is: You're around the kids. How much do these rankings mean to them? Because I, I was in a room with Malik Muhammad. Uh, out there in Vegas with you guys the first day I arrived. And Malik Muhammad's one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Okay. He is, to me, he's a five-star kid, um, but he's listed as a four-star. And the first thing he tells Brett Getz when we knock on his his door, him and Carnell Tate are rooming together. We walk in there is, hey, hey, coach, coach Getz, how, how are you going to get me to be a five-star? Like this, ma- this matters to them, right? I mean, this is, this is all these rankings. I mean, this fuels them. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'll you'll hear a lot of kids say, "Oh, I don't pay attention to that," or "I don't, you know, look into that." But yeah, they they all look into it. Um, and, and by the way, I think Malik Muhammad should be a five star. He is, <laughs> from what I've seen, he is one of the best corners in the country, if not maybe the best corner. Um, but uh, yeah, they they all look at it. Um, you know, they all want to have that five star ranking. A lot of it, it's you know, they want to see who's in front of them, and you know, they're all, "Oh, hey, I'm better than that guy. Why is he in front of me?" Um, or, you know, we like to joke around a lot with, um, having Carnell and Brandon, it seems like the two of them bounce back and forth on, on who's, you know, ranked higher. They're, you know, both top three receivers in the class that kind of bounced around this year as, as to who was first, second, third, kind of moving up and down. Um, so, so they definitely pay attention to it. Um, and then I think it's becoming even a bigger deal with all of the, uh, the NIL stuff, mm-hmm. um, as well. I think, you know, having that five, you know, those five stars next to your name, um, definitely you know boost your you know your status your nil value and all of that kind of stuff um so i think now more than ever they continue to uh, to pay more attention to that i mean you, you even have some recruiting sites now um with on three showing you right. know the nil evaluation you know valuation of this guy um next to their ranking uh so i think now more than ever it definitely is, is you know continuing to to matter more to them um some guys i think honestly don't care too much about it um but a lot of them do you know, they, they see who's ranked ahead of them. They see where they are, you know, kind of in line with anyone. Um, and, and they do take it seriously. Some of them, they want to, you know, they think, Hey, I'm, I should be ahead of this guy. They'll even reach out to, you know, to, to coaches or, you know, writers and stuff like that and ask about the rankings. Um, and like I said, with, with the NIL valuations and, and how that can affect their status, I think it's becoming more important than ever. It's incredible really. And you look at, you know, how much of an impact it has. You mentioned the NIL side of it. The reality is the haggling that goes on over these rankings is, is incredible. And, and, and I would say it's not just, you know, from the recruit and player standpoint, but from the schools like, you know, Miami, Alabama, Georgia, uh, these rankings matter to these assistant coaches because a lot of yeah. their contracts are based on how many four stars and five stars they sign. They get bonuses, et cetera, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll get an extension because they've gotten, you know, commitments from X amount of guys. So to me, the incredible part, having been around this now for over 25 years is I go back to the beginning when I started in the late nineties, you know, you didn't have five star, four star, three star, you know, it wasn't as sophisticated it is as it is now a system in terms of ranking. Um, but it, it's almost like they've created their own, uh, you know, between rivals and, and two, four, seven, and, and now on three, I mean, they create the narrative for all of these stories, like this five-star and this four-star and this, like, and, and it just, it, it, it's, it's become sort of this thing that we've just developed that didn't exist before. It's an entire market and it's all meant to create money to get people to subscribe to these services and yeah. it works, right? Andrew, I mean, are you subscribe to all three of them? Do you, do you follow all three of the websites or what, how do you sort of handle this information and digest it all? 
Uh, honestly, the one I really follow the closest is, is two, four, seven. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Gabby and, and David Lake do a great job with that. Um, that's why that whole situation with, with Jaden Wayne was a little bit unfortunate because yeah. I know they obviously had nothing to do with it. And I think they do, you know, an incredible job and, and some super hard work covering UM. Um, so I think I've probably followed that one the closest. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, you know, insane just how much things have changed and, and how big of a market this has created. Um, and, you know, you like to hear people say, oh, Ed Reed was a two-star and this and that. But recruiting rankings now and the evaluations and the time that's put into it and, and how big of a business it is now isn't the same as it is back then. I think, you know, recruiting rankings have continued to, to become more accurate. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's just crazy over the last, you know, maybe 10, 15 years how big of a market it started to corner. Um, you know, like you said, coaches look at it. They even have bonuses and deals built in, um, you know based on rankings that are on these sites. Um, you have all these fan bases that are, you know, arguing with rankings. You have, um, you know, you go to any of these football games, any of these seven on seven tournaments and stuff. It's all, you know, surrounded by reporters and writers and evaluators from these sites um, from all over the country. Uh, so it is, you know, kind of insane just how big of a business it's turned into. Um, and I think, you know, obviously when that happens, that's when you start to see people saying, oh, you know, it's about money and they may favor this fan base over this fan base to, you know, try to get clicks and stuff like that. Um, but just just seeing the growth in it and, and how more and more websites and, and stuff like that continue to pop up, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And it was all just created out of nothing, out of thin air that this this star system to get people to. And, and it's brilliant. Shannon Terry and the, and the guys that, that uh, created these websites um and and the whole concept behind it uh kudos to them they're millionaires now maybe billionaires yeah. after all this creating this yeah i mean this the one guy the one guy's created you know he started 247 sold it or i'm sorry created rivals and sold it 247 mm-hmm. and sold it and now he's he's you know doing on three as well so that's his his whole business basically is just you know creating these throwing some stars up there getting people to talk and subscribe and and then selling it so it's yeah you know, definitely part of it is, is just, you know, about getting clicks for that yeah. purpose. But, uh, you know, I, I do think overall that the evaluations have gotten better over time just because mm-hmm. there's so many more people watching these guys live around the country. It's not just, um, you know, a couple of guys watching some huddle tape for a couple of minutes and, and deciding the rankings like that. Um, you know, they do have people all over the country now watching a lot of these guys live and at camps and at seven on sevens and such. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and my and my whole thing with this all, and, and I know a complaint by a lot of uh, former players and and you know people and and you know personnel, coaches, whatever, analysts, um, is that you know a lot of the guys who do these rankings never played the sport, or they or they <laughs> if they did, they didn't go very far. And, and my my response to to those former players and people who complain is well. This isn't this is an exact profession that pays a lot of money, right? Otherwise, I think these athletes would probably move right into this. Recruiting. Yeah. And, and it's not very glamorous. So, yes, leave it to the nerds. Let the nerds <laughs> do their thing, right? Let them let them do their rankings, but also take it for what it is. It's it's not mm-hmm. a perfect system. It's the best that they're trying to do. And in the end, uh, while you can get angry about it, uh, that you, maybe some of your, you know, the players picking your schools aren't, you know, given the respect that you want to be given. Uh, look, it's the science that we have right now, and it's entertaining you because football is, yeah. you know, football is year round now because of this, because of recruiting, because of these rankings, um, you know, and, and in reality, the season lasts, what, four or five months at most. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this entertains you for for, for another seven to eight months uh, aside from what happens on the field. All right. So I want to give a little bit of information uh, as far as rankings, right, and, and perception and all those kind of things. So all I, right, I, let's I, hear it. Let's hear it. So I went back to 2022. <laughs> last year's class. And I said, all right, let's look at what Cyrus Moss and Nigel e. Kelly and Jaleel Skinner and Javante said, what happened to them when they picked after they picked Miami is the perception accurate because the perception is all these guys, once they pick Miami, they slip in the rankings. Well, guess what? I think they're right. <laughs> okay. Andrew, uh, Cyrus Moss. All right. And, and remember all of these guys get ranked at different points in their career. Not all of them are ranked right away as a freshman. Okay, or a sophomore. Some of them get discovered their junior year. So where they start off in in, in the you know the number rankings and so forth, all of that d- depends on on when they're sort of first discovered. Okay, Cyrus Moss was one of those guys who was initially ranked as a, as a freshman back in 2019. Um, he was 50th in the country, got a 98 rating. Okay, from 247, that was initial score. He eventually moved up to a 9831. Okay, which he moved up um, and that was in 2020, July, uh, the end of July, 2020, um, right before he made his uh, commitment to Miami. Right. He played in the in the uh, was it the Under Armour or the U.S. Army? I forgot which game he played in. I believe it was the U.S. Army one. Um, he was a 97 4 2. OK, after he made the commitment, he made a slight jump the next time the rankings came out to a 97 4 3. But in the end. At the end, the final composite rankings, he slipped uh, 33 tenths of a percentage and dropped eight spots from 63rd to 70th in the 247 sports composite. Now, I'm not going to go through the math the way I did before with all these other guys. I'm just going to give you the facts so you understand how I got to these conclusions. Okay. Nigel Lee Kelly, right? Um, Mario comes in, able to convince him late to come to Miami. Originally, was probably going to go to Oregon when Mario was there. After he commits to Miami, drops five spots uh, from 84th to 89th. Um, Jaleel Skinner flips from Alabama to Miami, right? 
he uh, drops four spots from 98 to 102nd after flipping to Miami. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see here. Trevante Citizen, he was sort of a surprise pickup for Miami. Okay, he drops one spot after committing to Miami. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Kamari Rogers, he was a kid who actually committed early, right? June of uh, June 19, 2021, which is, you know, several months before his senior year, has the injury. Um, he dropped from 61st, okay, when, before he committed to Miami, all the way to 118th by the time he signed with Miami. Okay. Um, let's see here. Chris Graves, Fort Myers Bishop Vero. He's a kid who actually improved. Okay. He dropped uh, after initially committing to Miami from 291st to 313th, but ended up 159th. And that's because I think Florida and a bunch of other schools were trying to get him, right? From Miami. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, here we go. Wesley Besaint. Okay. A guy who everybody kind of knew was going to stay in state and go to, um, Miami, Florida state or Florida rose initially, uh, from 196 to 169 after committing to Miami ended up slipping back to 186 in the final, in the final rankings. Um, Ja'Curry Brown, the quarterback, uh, from Georgia, he committed to Miami in March of last year, 2021, way before the start of his senior year, he kept falling. Uh, after he committed to Miami, <laughs> all right. Um, so I hope that gives you a little bit of perspective. Is it right? Yeah. Is the perception that Miami kids slip? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems that way. Um, whether it's a conscious thing for you know with SEC bias and these big fan bases and subscriptions and stuff like that, possibly. Um, could it also just be um, kind of? You know, if you see a kid's committed to Alabama, you just assume he's going to be, you know, that five-star, one of the top kids in the country versus if he's committed to Miami, um, especially over the last decade or so, you just assume he's not, um, you know, possibly as good as someone that's going to Bama. And maybe that kind of subconsciously has them drop their ranking. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. It could be either of those. But, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, seems like there's some sort of a pattern there. Yeah. So this didn't start with Jaden Wayne. No. And, and, and I will say this, and people need to make this distinction. Look, we use 247 Sports Composite because that's, that was the industry standard. I mean, we've been using that at The Athletic now for several years because On3 mm-hmm. didn't even exist. Their, their composite wasn't around. But essentially, the whole idea is you divide it by the four major publications, the four you know, recruiting services, um, and, and you come up with an average, right? Which I think most of us can live with. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, 247, um, you know, while everybody can sit there and yell at them uh, for this thing, the reality is, you know, rivals and other sites, the reason they drop kids is why sometimes in the composite, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the average, yeah, I mean, lower. it's not, it's not just two, four, seven. Jaden Wayne's a good example of that. I mean, they have him as I think top 35 in the country and on three, having him at his 93rd is what dropped him all the way down. Um, like I said, a kid like Jaden Rashada too. He um, he's, I think 40, let me see. He's 45th in the composite. Um, but two, four, seven as a top 30 kid in the country, um, mm-hmm. as a, which would be a five-star, uh, in their, in their final rankings. Uh, so I think, you know, obviously it definitely opens up to criticism when you do, uh, include those other rankings. I think that's part of it. Um, but so it's, it's kind of more than meets the eye there just because, you know, one site can kind of throw off your whole composite and, and really shake things up there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, Look, in the end, here's what I'll tell fans. I'm an old school guy. Mm-hmm. I look at it as you're either a top 100 player or you're not. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talent around the country. 
there's a lot of different things that affect these rankings. If you're a legitimate, if you're somewhere near the top 100, you're, you're mm-hmm. one of, you're legitimately one of the top 100 players in the country. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter where you ranked in that list. Um, you're splitting hairs at that point, especially split. among different positions and stuff like that. And that's where I think some of that bias where, you know, if they see a kid's committed to Alabama where there's conscious, you know, consciously or, or subconsciously, you know, they may think he's better than a kid that's committed to Miami just because you see where the programs have been over the last, you know, 10, 15 right. years. Right. But, but I would say, you know, instead of getting bent all, you know, been all out of shape over this stuff, just look at it as, Hey, this kid's considered one of the best 100 players in the country. That means more than likely than not, mm-hmm. he's legit. Like there's no yep. faking it. there. <laughs> um, you know, when you get into the three hundreds, the 400 to me at that point, it's kind of like, who cares? Like you got to yeah. get the kid in the school and develop them. There's only about a hundred, 150 kids every year in my mind who are really special elite athletes. That's the average. And I've spent a lot of time studying this, uh, Andrew. I mean, you, you go year to year to year, you see who the busts are, you see who the guys mm-hmm. that usually make it every now and then you'll have, you know, a, a two-star or three-star kid really rise above the ranking and be special. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality is the best players in the country year in and year out are those top 100, top 150 players in each recruiting class most of yeah. the time. Definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of it is, especially with, with the staff now, is I kind of, you know, try to say, hey, you know, Mario and this staff know what they're doing more than, um, you know, any of these recruiting sites, let alone, you know, more than most of these coaching staffs around the country. Um, so I think at some point I just kind of, you know, trust their evaluations and stuff like that more than anything that, Hey, you know, if they want this kid that bad, um, you know, he, he's got to be good. Um, don't necessarily feel the same way about some of the previous staffs. Um, but especially with, uh, with Mario and the staff he's put together and, and, you know, I feel like he's a really good evaluator. So especially if it's, you know, a top 100 kid, or even some of those kids outside of the top 100, um, you know, I really trust the staff with their evaluations and, and think that if they want him that badly, it's, it's definitely a kid that's, you know, got some potential to be great. Andrew, um, we, Miami, as we mentioned, you know, today we're expecting to get Raul Aguirre, the four-star linebacker out of Georgia. Um, I think they're up to 13 commitments with him. If I'm not mistaken, I got to go back and look at the list. I'm, I it's just mm-hmm. every day. It feels like it's, you know, they're adding somebody else. Um, let's talk about the future, the rest of this class and the summer, because there's going to be more announcements um, you know, from, from several kids. Uh, I know Janelle Aguero, the five-star safety out of Massachusetts. I think he's announcing the 23rd. So is Malik Bryant, the four-star linebacker out of Orlando Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. Peyton Kirkland, I think, is also announcing on the 23rd from Orlando, Dr. Phillips. Yep. Uh, um, you got Jaden Bonsu from Jersey City, New Jersey, the four-star safety. Um, I think he's announcing on the 20th. Um, and then you have a bunch of other kids um, that I want to throw out there. Samson Okunlolo, the five-star offensive tackle. Um, Olaus Alinen, the four-star offensive tackle from Connecticut. Uh, you got Jordan Hall, four-star defensive tackle out of Jacksonville. Ruben Bain here from Miami Central, the four-star defensive lineman. Uh, Damari Brown, the four-star cornerback. Um, and then, of course, Andy Jean, who you already mentioned, the four-star uh, receiver out of Miami Northwestern. Um, who do you think Miami adds? And, I, and, and look, I'm hearing a lot of the same stuff you are, but who do you think Miami adds here before we get to the football season? Um, I think obviously starting today with, with Raul, um, I think, you know, they go ahead and get a, a top 10 linebacker on board today. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically a head to head matchup with Bama. I know he's a kid that, that Alabama really wanted. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we'll find out in a couple hours, but it seems like Miami's in good position there. Um, I think Samson, uh, Akunula is another one that, 
um, you know, may end up pulling the trigger, you know, sooner than people expect. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe in the next week or two, he's, he's on board in this class. Um, I think if he does go through and, and commit shortly, um, you know, it will be to Miami. I feel like they, they feel like they've put themselves in the, in the best position there, um, which would give them two of the top three offensive tackles in the country, which is incredible. Would definitely set themselves up well going forward. Um, I know Jaden Bonsu on the, on the 20th, um, he'd probably be next, you know, one of the top safeties in the country, you watch his film and he's just, you know, he's, he's a missile. He's, you know, a kid that's built almost like a, a linebacker already. Um, just flies around out there as a big hitter has, has speed range. Um, I think he'd be, you know, another great kid on the 20th. feels like they're, they're pretty, you know, feel like they're set there. Um, and then that, that next week you have, you know, a whole bunch of commitments, like you said, um, you know, Malik Bryant, um, Aguero, some of these other guys. And then, um, I feel like Aguero, I'm not sure on, I feel like there's definitely a, you know, a couple of schools that are in there with him. Yeah. Georgia, um, I think is so. was what a lot of people were thinking with him, but you know, I know he also, I spoke to him at the spring game, uh, mm-hmm. when he was down here and I know he loves the coaching staff. So it's kind of yeah. like, we'll see with him. He'll be a mystery mm-hmm. one on July 23rd. Exactly. Yeah. He's made it down here a couple of times. Um, and then, Offensive line is going to be interesting. It seems like they have, you know, a good problem to have with a lot of top guys wanting in and, you know, you can only take so many offensive linemen in one class. You already have, um, you know, Francis Maui go on board. You have um, Antonio Tripp on board. You have Frankie Tinelau on board. Um, so it's going to be interesting if, you know, Samson Akalolo, you know, commits soon. Then you have Peyton Kirkland on the 23rd. Um, I know Kinsler, the recent uh, UF commit is committing, um, you know, at the end of the, the month. Um, and then you still have some guys like Monroe Freeling and, and Alice Allen. And so uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that, that offensive line class. Um, just because you have, you know, seven or eight really good guys that all, uh, you know, I feel like Miami's in good shape with. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who gets in, who maybe gets left out. Um, either way, I think that they, they feel like they're in, in a really good spot with that class um, with Francis Malagoa. And then, um, you know, I think they, they feel good about adding Samson Akinola over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, I think they're, they're pretty set there with possibly having the best offense line class in the country. Um, and then I think, you know, receiver, which we touched on earlier is another interesting spot. You have um, Hakeem Williams, who they definitely got back in it for. I'm not sure. You know, he doesn't seem to really have a timetable set. Right. Um, I think receivers one that uh, that might be a little bit more drawn out, um, but definitely over the next, you know, maybe three weeks by the end of July, it seems like they could have, you know, 18, maybe 20 guys on board already. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be a, a fun couple of, of weeks to watch them. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the month they're, you know, in the top three top, you know, in this in the rankings overall. Yeah. Um. Let's just go one by one. We'll say yes or no. Samson Okunlola in the class or not? Yes. Okay, I agree. I think he's in the class. Uh, Jonel Aguero, four, five-star safety. I'm going to lean no. I'm going to say yes. I think they get him as part of a, a combination with him and, and Jaden Bonsu. Um, four-star linebacker Malik Bryant. Yes. I agree. I think him and, and uh, Peyton Kirkland might be a combination deal there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Olau Salinen. The four-star offensive tackle from uh, from Finland. I'm gonna say no. I agree. I think he goes to Alabama. Um, this Jordan Hall kid, the four-star defensive tackle from Jacksonville West Side. I don't think he's gonna be in the class. But what are your long-time long-term thoughts on him? 
Uh, I'm going to say no as well. Um, I think defensive tackle is kind of one of the spots that I'm not really sure what, you know, Miami is, is looking at. It doesn't seem like they have too many guys on their board at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where they turn there. Um, but yeah, I'm going to lean no on him as well. Yeah. Ruben Bain uh, out of Miami Central. I'm going to say yes. He's got too many connections here at, at, at Miami. I'm going to say yes as well. Um, the only thing I'm not sure is if there's any hold up there with, with hiring his former coach. I know at one point the NCA kind of tried to put in the rule where you can't take a kid that year after. Right. Um, so with recently hiring Roland Smith, I'm not sure, you know, if that impacts it all, if that's maybe why his process has been drawn out. But I think at the end of the day, um, if that gets cleared up, he's, he's in. All right. Here's one of your SFE guys, Damari Brown, four-star cornerback out of American heritage. I'm going to say yes. Um, I think it once Miami weathered the storm of him visiting Clemson, um, seemed like it was just kind of down to, to them and Alabama. Um, Alabama already has two of the top three corners in the class, possibly the top three corners in the class. If, if they end up getting Cormani McLean. Um, so I think, uh, I think Damari ends up at UM plus, I mean, he's a, he's a legacy. His dad played here. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think he's a kid that ends up here. All right. Uh, Jaden Bonsu. I say yes. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, Pey- Peyton Kirkland. I say yes. I'm going to say yes as well. All right. And uh, Andy Jean from Miami Northwestern. Oh, um, I'm, I'm going to say yes on him. Um, I think with Jalen Brown leaving, I think they want to take, you know, four receivers in this class. I think he's, he'll, you know, at least four. I think he's in that four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they went out and keep him home there. Okay. I'm going to say no. I, I don't think he stays. I think he goes to another school. He was committed to Miami. And for whatever reason, I, I don't know why. I think Flo- maybe Florida gets a victory here in, in the Andy Jean front. <laughs> and then uh, Hakeem Williams. Oh, that's that's a really tough one, isn't it? <laughs> if you'd asked me, if you'd asked me three weeks ago, I'd have told you no way. Uh-huh. Um, after the last two or three weeks and, and just the progress that they've made there, um, I'm going to say yes right now. I think a big tell will be at the end of the month. Miami is having a, a recruiting barbecue. Right. Um, I think if they get him to show up that weekend, I, I think uh, I think he's in. I'm going to I'm going to say yes. I'm going to agree with you there, too. Um, I, I think. Uh, he's going to ultimately see what this offense and this team does this year. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of these local kids are going to be impressed with what Miami does this year. And I think that's going to change their outlook on the coaching staff and, and whether or not they want to be a part of this. So yeah, I agree. And I think that can definitely, you know, kind of springboard them into um, just an insane 24 class with the, with the talent that's down here. Yeah. Andrew, let's get to one final subject here before we wrap up, and that's realignment. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of weeks ago when uh, UCLA and USC announced they were leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, a lot of people lost their minds. Oh, my God, this is going to be the first domino of leading to super conferences. And the last mm-hmm. time I did a podcast with Carlos Ledo, we talked about, you know, how this might affect Miami. Um, and the reality is, I've kind of calmed down a little bit with my level of excitement over this because <laughs> I really do think based on the TV contracts, okay, the fact that the Miami's, you know, the ACC's grant of rights runs through 2036, the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, Notre Dame is is probably the biggest domino and that has to fall first, I think, before the things happen. I, I, I'm kind of, after talking to some people in the league, you know, uh, people who run athletic programs um, in, in the ACC, I'm of the opinion that, while people are certainly lining themselves up to join a super conference and get the big payday and, you know, take care of their programs 10 years from now, instead of being way behind the others, 
I, I don't think it's anything is imminent. Um, but my, I guess my question to you is, how do you think this affects recruiting? Do you think any of these guys, um, and you guys went out to USC and UCLA, I was with you on those trips. Mm-hmm. How, how much do you think this maybe affects recruiting and the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big, and, and the Big 12 conferences that aren't part of this super conference? Uh, honestly, I don't think it's going to affect recruiting too much now. Um, if things continue to move and, and you know, team shift around going forward, um, then it might. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I kind of feel the same way. I think we're a little bit uh, further away from that than some people thought originally. Um, at the right. moment, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, going to impact recruiting too much. I haven't really heard any schools, you know, whether it was while we were at USC or, um, you know, down here at Miami or anything like that, really starting to, um, you know, mention that in their recruiting pitches. Um, and when it comes to you, I'm regarding that I, I'm, you know, I've calmed down a lot with that too. Um, mm-hmm. Again, just, you know, thinking it doesn't come as soon as people think. Um, and also just realizing like, it's Miami, like it's one of, you know, whether they've been good or not for the last 20 years, it's still one of the biggest, most recognizable brands in the country. Um, if, you know, three or four teams get pulled from the ACC into, you know, the big 10 or the SEC or get split, uh, Miami is going to be one of those teams. They're not someone that's going to be left on the outside looking in. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's kind of my view on it. Um, right. Is, if, is, if Miami was more of a position to get screwed, right. Yeah. That would be, that would be more of your concern. Mm-hmm. I think if you're more of like a Virginia, Virginia Tech, NC State, that's the kind of school that may have to be more concerned about it mm-hmm. um, because you're kind of on the border of, hey, you know, I might get left out of this, you know, one of these super conferences. What happens then? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, Miami is in, in good shape. You know, it's probably them, FSU, Clemson, and maybe UNC or Virginia Tech. They get pulled from from the ACC when, you know, when everything does happen down the line. Um so I think regardless, just, you know, with the brand that they've built and, and who Miami is, you know, I think they're, they're going to be fine going forward regardless. Have any of the kids voice concerns to you? Have any of them asked, Hey, what's going on with real? Have you heard any of that sort of talk from, from the actual players or they don't, they're not even paying attention to it. Probably. Not at all. I don't think most of them are even paying attention <laughs> to that. Um, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I don't, I haven't heard much talk from, from that really impacting recruiting at all lately. Yeah. Andrew, it was fun doing this uh, podcast with you. Uh, you were great, phenomenal. Again, I hope to bring you back on to do more recruiting conversation because uh, I know you're very tapped into this and, and know what's going on. I want our listeners to be able to follow you on Twitter. You mind sharing your Twitter address? Uh, yeah, so it's just Andrew underscore Ferrelli. Um, that's A-N-D-R-E-W underscore F-E-R-R-E-L-L-I. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, give me a follow if you want tweet a lot about sports some uh, some funny things here and there maybe <laughs> yep and now uh, hopefully we'll bring you on uh more often to talk recruiting and and get you in here as part of uh, my rotation of, of co-hosts uh because i think you know you you, you have a, a very unique perspective being around these guys being around involved with sfe and uh obviously know a lot of what you're talking about so um i appreciate you coming on and, and look forward to our next uh next time together yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, it was it was a pleasure doing this, and yeah, definitely any any time you want, let me know. Um, should be a, a fun next few weeks as uh, as this class continues to pan out. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. Yeah.